Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. How many would say, how many of you have thought, Lord, if I could ever just win the lotto. Anybody said that, prayed that, believed in that, came to the altar and asked God for, if I could just win the lotto. My God. Woo. I would praise you then. They did some research not too long ago. That's really fascinating. They studied people that have won the lotto over the last 20 some years. You know what they found? People that won the lotto within four years were worse off than when they first won it. Within four years, there was a lady that won like $250 million. How many would thank God? Somebody asked me, Pastor, would it be a sin if I play the lotto? Would it be a sin? Is that wrong? Is that gambling? I said, no, as long as you give the tithe, we're good. How, how, let me ask you a question. If you won tomorrow, you scratch it today, tomorrow, you win $500 million. Think, stop, don't, don't spend it yet. <laughs> I saw, I saw, ooh, ooh. $500 million. How many would honestly, without too much of a hesitation, say, you know what, I'll give my type $50 million. How many would give $50 million to God if you won $500 million? You still, keep, you still keep 450. It's so much easier, so much easier to give what we don't have. There was an old country preacher that was talking to his church. And there was a guy in the front. We'll call him Melvin. Out in farm country. He says, Melvin, if God asked you for a horse, would you give him a horse? Yes, pastor, I'd give him a horse. Praise God, Melvin, you're a good man. Melvin, if you had a cow, would you give that cow to Jesus? Pastor, with all my heart, I'd give my cow to Jesus. Okay, Melvin, awesome, proud of you. Melvin, if you had a pig, would you give the pig? He goes, pastor, hold on, that's not fair. You know I have a pig. <laughs> so much easier to give the things we don't have. That's why Pastor Josh's message to you last week is important. Because you got to protect what you do have. you got to be a good steward of what God gives you. Uh, let me pile on that really quick. Because, look, I, I've seen this in real life. So, in my other job, actually in my job, this is not a job, this is, this is fun. Um, at work, over the years, I've worked with a lot of very wealthy people. And I can tell you, as a matter of fact, multiple times... Working with people that make, say, a million dollars a year. That'd be okay, right? Would, would, you, would you make it with a million dollars a year? I, I, I've lost count how many people over the years I've worked with high net worth, make a million or more. Listen, on the 29th of the month, at the 29th of the month, they cannot take their family to dinner. Can't afford dinner. We'll have to wait till the first. 
You're making a million dollars. You're making two million. How can you not afford to go to dinner? We don't have, contrary to popular belief, we don't have an income problem. We have a spending problem. Let me give you financial planning in 30 seconds. You make this much, you spend this much. God, help me. God bless me. That promotion, that bonus. Come on, Jesus, give me a raise. God, oh, God blesses you. Woo, income goes up. Yay. What's the next thing we do? Jesus, I need you again. The next raise, the next promotion, the next bump, the next this. God blesses you. What's the next thing you do? Upgrade. That's how you get to a million dollars. And you can't afford dinner at the end of the month. Because it's all about the cushion. Everybody say cushion. It's the cushion. How do you create a cushion? Give 10% to God. Save 10%. Keep 5% for emergencies or generosity. Try to live on 75% of your income. You'll never be broke. There are people that make very little money that are better off. than people make a lot more money. Two, three, four times more money. Why? Everybody say cushion. That's in a nutshell. Important to understand how critical it is to live a life that's within our means. I know it's hard right now because everybody's on the gram. Everybody's comparing. Everybody's trying to keep up with everybody else. And, um, you know, social media is awesome, but it also makes it really easy to lie. Here's that couple you're competing with, right? You know that couple? You know that couple. And they're like, hey, you know, taking a picture right in front of a very expensive stay house. Hey, y'all. About to have a great dinner tonight. Pictures taken and posted. They walk a block to McDonald's. And they have a great dinner. You would never do that, but they do that. And it's all about image. It's all about impressions. It's all about trying to look. It's all about trying to pretend to have a life we don't have. And so how do we actually live a life that's blessed? That's what I want to talk about today. Let me begin with a, a key word, a word that God has put in my heart over the last few weeks that's really been changing how I look at things. And that's, everybody say opportunity. The word opportunity is important. The definition of opportunity. We know the word, but look at the definition. A set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something significant. A set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something significant. Our nation's not perfect, but there is no other nation I'd rather live in than the United States. You know why? It's still the land of... Why? Because there's a set of circumstances that makes it possible, not a guarantee, not an entitlement, makes it possible to do something significant. I would say you right now, Lighthouse Church, North County, you have an amazing opportunity right now a set of circumstances right now that makes it possible for you to do something significant. How many praise God for the significant things you have a chance to be a part of? That's all we ask for. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. Sometimes opportunity doesn't come over good circumstances. You know, if you're a backup quarterback, you never wish for the starter to get hurt, but sometimes it happens and you get your chance. So opportunity comes in different ways. Now, when you think about the opportunity we have as a church to do something significant in this season, I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity. 
Let me begin with the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 6. We know the scripture. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Everybody say treasures. While moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You know the old Disney princess line? Just follow your heart. Right? Well, okay. I'll go with that for a second. Follow your heart. The real question is, what is your heart following? Your heart will always follow the things you treasure. So follow your heart could be a good thing if you're following the right things. Follow your heart could be a horrible thing if you're treasuring the wrong things. So you got to ask yourself, what is it that I value? What is it that I treasure? Is it the things here or the things of heaven? The things that are eternal in value. Pastor Josh used this next scripture. I want to go a little deeper on that. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord. Everybody say honor. Important word. It means to give priority. It means to give preferential treatment. It's like, have you ever been a VIP somewhere? Like a concert or, okay, it was your niece's birthday party, fine. But you were like <laughs> VIP. Like they brought, you to the, they brought you to the nice table, right? The one that's got decorations and flowers. You know, you're the VIP. Doesn't it feel good to be VIP? It's like, yeah, <laughs> this feels right. Feels good to not stand in line. Feels good to be served. Feels good to be treated this way. That's what the word honor is. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part. Everybody say the best part. Of everything you produce. This was important. This was important to God. If you do that, if you honor God, if we honor God, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with new wine. So understand that when we honor God, look at how he responds to our honor of him. I honor God, he blesses. That's how this works. In the, in the Bible, there's this thing called conditional promises. There's a whole bunch of them in the Bible. God says, if you do this, I'll do that. But typically, they start with me making a move. Because God wants to know, do I love him? Do I trust him? Do I honor him? Do I have faith in him? When I demonstrate that, then God reciprocates with blessing. But I got to make the first move. A lot of us want God to bless us first, and then we'll honor him. If you give me the lotto, I'll honor you. God says, no, no, no. Honor me first, and I'll bless you with everything you need. Yeah. Amen? So, so it's, it's all about the timing. So, so these concepts go back to the beginning of known history. From the time that God has had relationship with man, he's tried to teach us these concepts because by nature we try to be selfish. Can we just admit it? By nature we're all selfish, even, even the nice ones. What's one of the very first words a child learns to say? Besides, no, because <laughs> we are also disobedient and rebellious. Mine, right? Mine. They don't say mama or dada. Mine. Like sweet little angel, cute little goodly baby. Oh, how cute. And you take away something. Like, Mine. Where do they get, I mean, who, what, what class do they go to? Where, where do they learn that? It's a word that appeals to something deep. Because they say it with conviction, right? It's not like, oh, it's mine. No, oh, no, it's mine. It comes from a deep place. So all of us, by nature, tend to be selfish. And so selfishness will always mess you up. 
And so God says, look, I know what sin has done to us, so, so let me help you. Let me give you some medicine to overcome this, sin, the, the, this selfishness problem, and it starts with generosity. That's why it matters. So, so he says, you, as you uh, honor the Lord, right? So, so you, you start with that. You, you honor God with the best part. Now, everybody say the best part. This is funny because God had told the children of Israel, you know, when you, when you get like a, a new batch of, of sheep born, offer me one. Give me one. And, and so, you know, Farmer John would have a sheep. And then it's like, okay, I got to give one to God. Which one should we give God? Which one will you give God? Honestly, you know which one they started doing? They started giving God the sheep that was missing a leg. Or the one that was blind. Or, or, or the one that was like about to die. It's like, oh, let's give that one to God. And God says, you're missing the point. You're totally missing the point. So, so honor the Lord with the best part of your wealth, right? So, so, so here we go. To, let me take you all the way to Exodus, way at the beginning. Because these things have been built up over time. Exodus 23, 19 says, As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. Leviticus 27, 30, One-tenth of the produce of your land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, and it must be set apart to Him as holy. So whatever we give to God, whatever we set aside to God, is supposed to be holy. Only used for sacred purposes. Only used for godly things. And, and so this, these concepts, back in Exodus, back in Leviticus, this goes way back. Matter of fact, this concept precedes the law. Abraham in Genesis, before the law was given, was already tithing and honoring God in the same way. So, so these principles go through time. They, they go through the law. They go into the New Testament. They apply today. Some people say, well, pastor, this is Old Testament. This is old stuff. It doesn't apply to us anymore. Um, let me address that. Malachi 3.6. I, the Lord, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. The things that were important to me are important to me today, will be important to me tomorrow. My principles don't change. There's some things in the law that are still important. For example, thou shall not steal. That's law. We're no longer under law. We're under grace. But guess what? You still shouldn't steal. Right? Thou shall not commit adultery. Oh, come on, pastor. That's old school. No. You still shouldn't commit adultery. Why? Because God doesn't change. If it was important to him 2,000 years ago, it's still important today. And so these are principles that transcend history and trends. And, and so I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Translation, I would have killed you by now. You deserve to be wiped out because of your disobedience and your stubbornness and your selfishness. But you know what? I, I'm going to let you continue on. You know why? Because I don't change. And I said, you'd be my people. I said, I bless you. I protect you. I'll be with you. So I don't change. So because of my own nature... I don't do what I feel like doing. That's God being real. It gets more real. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my ordinances. Everybody say ordinances. Kind of a legal word, right? If, if you live in an HOA, you understand ordinances. If you live in a city, you understand ordinances. For example, there's a noise ordinance. I don't know what it is here in Vista, but I know in Chula Vista, there's a 10 o'clock noise ordinance. After 10 o'clock, you can't be too loud, right? What happens if you had a neighbor that has those parties, you know those parties? 
what can you do after 10 o'clock? You call the cops and guess what they do? They come and say, hey, bring it down. Why? There's a noise ordinance that kicks in at 10 o'clock. Ordinance means ordinary behavior, expected ordinary behavior. And so if you live in an HOA, you have ordinances, right? If you don't mow your lawn, you'll get a little letter. There's always somebody driving around taking pictures. Out where I live, I'm like, ooh, I know who she is. If, if you live in an association and, and you decide God shows you to paint your house fuchsia, you're going to get a letter. There's an ordinance that says, you want to paint your house an ugly color, go live in the, go get a ranch where nobody else will see it. But if you're going to live here, here's a color palette, right? We have ordinances. That's ordinary expected behavior. Amen? You with me? Here's what God says. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my ordinances and have not kept them. So when we disobey God, when we disregard the word of God, it creates separation between us and God. Disobedience will always get you farther from God every single time. Sin separates. It'll separate you from anything good in your life from the beginning. From the very beginning, even before Adam and Eve. When Lucifer looked at the throne of God and says, you know, one day I'm going to sit on that throne. Guess what it did? It caused a separation in heaven. Lucifer and a third of the angels fell down. Why? Because sin separates. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, what happened the next time they, that God went looking for them? They hid from God. Why? Because sin separates. It'll separate you from your wife and husband, from your kid. It'll separate you from anything good in your life. Sin always separates. God's telling his people, you have not followed my ordinances. Therefore, you, you've separated from me. And then he says this, check this out. Return to me. Why? Because you left. You disregarded. You didn't listen. You didn't follow. And so it's separate. So now return to me. And because, doesn't because God doesn't change, if you return to me, I'll return to you. I'm faithful. I'm loving. I'm gracious. But you say, how shall we return? If we disregard God in these matters, how do we return? And then God, God gets really deep here. This is hard word. Because you, you, know, you often, you, you rarely hear God talk this way to us. But the following verse says this, verse 8. Will men rob God? Will men rob God? That word rob, that's an ugly word, right? Thou shalt not steal. But I find it interesting that God used the, the word rob. He didn't say, you should not steal from me. He said, you shouldn't rob me. There's a difference between the words. I'm not in law enforcement, but I know enough cops, and they've told me that's true. So here's what I learned. The difference between theft and robbery. We use them almost interchangeably, but they're different concepts. Theft means you're not looking and I take it. Theft means you're not home, I break in, I take your stuff. When you're not there, I, I steal from you. That's theft. Rob means I take it from you. It's personal. It's blatant. I don't wait for you to leave. I go right up to you and I snatch it from you. That's robbing. Higher level of offense. Are you with me? So, so God uses words carefully. Will a man not just withhold from me, 
not just when I'm not looking, take from me. Will men actually go and take it from me? Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. He's telling his people. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in your tithes and contributions or offerings. That's how we rob God. Now, notice verse 9. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. It wasn't one, one or two people. It was like everybody. It was a problem. It was systemic. So what does that mean? A child of God, God blessed them. Instead of honoring God with the first and best part, they went out and bought a brand new chariot with the big wheels and the nice shocks. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> looking good, feeling good. And the chariot's perfect. The chariot's brand new. It's a beautiful chariot. The only problem with the chariot is that the chariot is cursed. Because it was bought with what should have been for God. There's a lot of people struggling today. Because we are under the same concept. When we disregard God, we bring a curse upon our own life. And so it's a, it's a problem. The whole nation had this problem that we're disregarding God. And so God calls them out. But just as it is with God, he doesn't just, aren't you glad doesn't just throw us away? Aren't you glad God just said, you know what, forget you. I'm done with you. Aren't you, aren't you glad that he's patient and he's stubborn and he loves us enough to give us chance after chance after chance after chance? So here's what God says. After saying these harsh words, these are harsh words. I mean, it's one thing for somebody, to, for God to tell you that. It's like, whoa, that's a whole different level. So here's what God says. You want to return to me? Here's how you do it. Verse 10. We know this verse. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse was a room that was built adjacent, adjacent to the temple. That's where people brought in their tithe. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And this is the only place in the whole Bible where you'll see God actually tell you, test me. I dare you to challenge me. You don't believe it? You don't think it works? You don't think it's true? Go ahead. Test me. Challenge me on this. This is an area that's hard for a lot of us. Test me on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a great blessing until there's no more room to receive it. How many would love to live your lives in a place where you're directly under the open window of heaven through which his blessings flow? There is such a place. There's a place where the window of heaven opens and blessing pours down. You know when we see the Avengers movies? You know, you know when, 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 when Thor comes to earth? That, pff, that beam? The bi, what we call it? Bifrost? Whatever. <sighs> I don't know about you, but I want to live my life like... Right there. Where the blessing flows. That's where I want to live my life. I will tell you. That's where I've tried to live my life. I've been testing God for a long time on this. I graduated college with my master's degree in corporate taxation, very exciting. Um, and I've been in, in my field for 27 years. As God is my witness, not one pay period has come and gone that I haven't honored God with my tithe. Not one time, not one time. You know why? 
I want to be right in that spot. I want to honor him. And I've been testing God. I've been testing God. I've been trying to outgive God for a long time. I thought I had him this year. I thought I finally had him. So just like you guys here at the beginning of the year, we started a, a campaign fund to, to get down payment for the buildings that we're now in the process of, of acquiring. And so I told you, we got to get some money. We, we got to start raising some funds. So let's build this out. And I told the church, you know what? My wife and I have been saving some money and we have some plans for it. But I said, you know what? If we're going to do this, let's do this right. So I told the church, okay, in December, a year ago, I said, we want to start this capital campaign. We got we to gotta raise at least half a million dollars. And so um, let's do this so we can buy a building. So here's what my wife and I talked and we decided that we're going to give God, we want to give the first $100,000 towards this offering. So we wrote a check for $100,000. And we're like, I got you. Top that. On top of my tithe and everything, $100,000 check. I'm like, okay. What you got now? Huh? A month later, a month later, I get a call from our COO of our firm. Says, Sam, we're having an amazing year. You're doing an amazing job. We never do bonuses out of cycle. But we're going to give you a bonus. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Thank you. So I'm thinking like, you know, couple grand or something, which is, I mean, praise God, right? Uh, I said, well, since you're going to go, so how much are you going to give in this off-cycle bonus? He goes, well, uh, we're going to give you $130,000. I'm like, dang, God, are you even going to pay for the taxes? That's nuts. Test me. Trust me. You trust him for salvation. You trust him for forgiveness of sin. You trust him for healing. Why in the world would you not trust him with this? So last week, my wife and I decided we're going to give another $100,000, and we did. Next time I come, I'll tell you what God did. I don't know what he's going to do. He said, he said, all right, let's play this game. I mean, come on, Joe. If you give me 20 bucks... I'll give you a hundred. Will you make that deal? <laughs> if you didn't hear her, his wife says, I'll make it for him. Thank God for a good spouse. Amen. That's God. Test me. Trust me. Believe in me. Honor me and I'll bless you. So when we honor God, look, this is not because we want your money. I don't need your money. I want you to be a blessed life. I want you to receive what God, what God has done for me. I would have never thought I could do what I'm doing. I could never thought I'd be in the position I'm in in the corporate world. I never thought while pastoring a church. Because God is faithful. And God wants to bless you. It is the will. God does not want us to be miserable. That's not the will of God. But the real question is, will you trust him enough? Check this out. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing until there is no more room to receive it. How many of you want to be in a place where, God, where, you, where you tell God, God, stop it. No more. Enough. Bless everybody else. I'm good. Sounds crazy, huh? 
That's what God said. I mean, we believe him from everything else. Believe him on this. It'll bless your life. I'm telling you, I am a witness of how faithful God is. It's all because of his favor. When you honor God, he blesses you. That's how you position yourself. Say, Pastor, I want to be blessed. I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be tired. I don't want, I don't want to be in this place. Then, then, then position yourself under the open window of heaven. How do I get there? Honor God. That's how you get to the square where the blessing flows. Not only that, not only that, as if that wasn't enough, look at what else God promises to do. Verse 11, and I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Not only will I bless you with what you need, I will also protect what you have. That car of yours shouldn't be running, but I'll keep it running. That fridge should have given up a long time. That ice maker should not be making no more ice. But because you've been faithful to me, it'll keep working. This thing, that thing, you know, you, you, you remember people, everything breaks all the time? Maybe those things are cursed. Maybe there's no protection because we're not honoring God. Trust me, church. He wants to bless you. But he wants to know, do you trust him enough? That's the test. God tests us with this all the time. Let me ask you a question. How, how many of you guys get paid once a month? Once a month. A few of you, right? Most, okay. How many of you guys get paid twice a month? How many, how many of you never get paid? All the teenagers say amen. All the... If you don't get paid, you're good. Here's something that, that really changed my awareness. Every time I get a paycheck, it's a test. Every paycheck is a test. Who do I thank and who do I honor? Every paycheck is a test of God saying, who do you thank and who do you honor? It's a test. I, I know a lot of us get that. You know, that ever happened to you? You go to school. And you're like, hey, hanging out. Like, oh, you ready for a test? What test? There's a test today? Anybody have that feeling at school? It ever happened to anybody? Oh, you were not all A students. Come on. You show up. You're hanging out. You're strolling in. Everybody looks all stressed. You're like, what are you all stressed for? We got a test. What? Today? Anybody ever had that feeling? Anybody getting that feeling right now? What? Mon Monday's the 15th, right? Tomorrow's the 15th? There's a test tomorrow. I pray you pass. I pray you position yourself to be blessed. Trust me on this. That's what God says. Let me finish with this definition I started with, opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. In this season, Lighthouse Church, North County, set of circumstances makes it possible to do something significant. Those beautiful renderings you saw last week, I know Pastor Josh is so excited about it. I'm excited about it. We're excited for you. Can't wait to be here with big sisters. This is where we partner with God. 
I don't know if he shared with you, so I'll give you a preview. But I know everything, all those cool renditions, the beautiful colors and the, the fountain over there with the baptismal and all that. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. That costs money. All of that's going to be about $200,000 to $250,000, roughly. Do we want a fountain or not? Yeah, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. You can do a lot more than you think. Because your God's a lot bigger than you realize. Trust Him. Opportunity. So, so, so providing for that, I, I would encourage many of you, if you're not faithful in your tithing, make a commitment today. You know what? I'm going to start. My dad used to teach, you know, my dad pastor in Mexico. And in Mexico, most folks really struggled. And so my dad would say, you know what? If you can't give 10%, start with two. And then work your three. And then get to four. And then get to five. Just work your way there. Just if you can't. People say, Pastor, I just can't afford to give. I can't afford to tithe. My answer typically is, you can't afford not to. That's the thing that's holding you down. Look, trust me, I'm an accountant. I don't know how, it shouldn't work. Like if you subtract, you shouldn't multiply. Like it doesn't make sense. If you take away, you should have less. But somehow in the economy of God, when you honor Him, He makes that extra multiply. And He also closes the back door so you don't lose what you have. Do you trust Him or not? I decided to trust Him a long time ago. And God keeps blowing me away. God keeps showing off, I tell Him. I said, stop showing off, God. Okay, I get it. And so today, I can't tell how much easier it is to give today than it was before. Because he's, he's, he's proved himself so many times over the years. It's easier to write a $100,000 check today than it was to write a $100 check 20 years ago. But when you're faithful in the little things, God will place you over greater things pastor I don't have much then be faithful it should be easier to faithful with little if you're faithful with the little things God will place you in other words pastor just talked about being a steward last week right being a steward if I give you a little bit and you don't use it well what makes you think I'll give you more if you can't handle what you have why would I give you more right if you're a leader if you're in management if you're a, if you're a boss somewhere you know that you give somebody an assignment and they're dying with it, you're not going to give them a harder one. No, they can't handle it. So what do you do? You ease off. You can't handle it. That's why over 70% of people that win the lotto within four years are worse off than they were before they won it. Even when they won hundreds. You know why? Because they weren't ready to handle it. They had not been faithful in the little things. All of a sudden you get $100 million. You go nuts. I've seen people, look, we do a lot of transitions in business. People that built up a business, $100 million, $200 I had a client that built a $400 million business. His whole life work in this business, $400 million of revenue. He gave it over to his kids. Within two years, the company was gone, bankrupt. He worked 50 years to build a $400 million company. Within two years. His kids destroyed it. Why? Because when it doesn't cost you anything, 
when you haven't earned it, when you don't honor God, easy come, easy go. We need to appreciate. How many are thankful for what you do have? This is not about, oh, what I'll do if I have more. This is about doing the best with what you have. Everybody say excellence. It's doing the best with what you have. You might not have much, but that's not an excuse not to be excellent. Can I share a quick story? Ooh, I'm way out of time. Oh, well. Quick story. Everybody say excellence. So I told you my dad was a pastor in Mexico. I'm the baby of 10. We're not Catholic. <laughs> 10 kids, right? So by the time I was born, my parents were better off. My older siblings had it really hard. Because in Mexico, part of the concept of being a pastor is you need to suffer. So church members were mean. Like they wanted you to suffer. They wanted you to cry. They wanted you to struggle. Which is messed up, but so it was. So long story short, my four older siblings are very close in age, right? And so at the point they were like, say, seven, six, five, and four, little, right? Still young. Uh, they only had one bicycle that they shared. That couldn't afford a bike for each. So they had one bike and they all shared it, right? Two weeks before Christmas, somebody steals their bike. Like, it's messed up to steal. But to steal from poor people? That's really messed up. They stole their bike. The kids are crying. Christmas morning, there's a new shiny bike. Hallelujah, praise God. Kids are happy. Ride it all year. Ride it all year, sharing it. The next year, two weeks before Christmas, somebody steals their bike again. You're like, the devil's a liar. How dare you? Kids are crying. Christmas morning. Now a green bike shows up. Nice, shiny, new green bike. Praise God, it's good. Third year. Two weeks before Christmas, their bike gets stolen again. Christmas morning, brand new, yellow, shiny Christmas bike. Woo, praise God. Forty-some years later, the story comes out. Hey, that was kind of weird. Hey, Dad, what happened? You know what my dad would do two weeks before Christmas? He would take the bike, take it to the neighbor's house, take it apart, sand it, clean it, polish it, paint it. Christmas morning, it's a new bike. The next year, still can't afford a new one. Takes it to the neighbor's house, sands it, cleans it, polishes, paints it. Christmas morning, brand new bike. Don't tell me you can't afford to be excellent. It's not about what you have. It's about doing the best with what you do have. That's excellence. Oh, if I had more money, I'd buy more bikes. No, no, no. The kids didn't know. That's what a father does when you want to bless your kids. I pray today you would understand this concept. I want to finish with a quote. I love John Maxwell, great teacher. John Maxwell saw this because we understand how this flows. Just read that. God will only give to you what He knows will flow through you. So don't be a reservoir, be a river. 
I decided a long time ago, my wife and I, and I, I thank my wife because she's with me on this. We decided we're going to live a generous life. Tithings, offerings, special contributions, blessing people. I'm always blessing people. I don't say, I'll tell you who, I'll tell you how much. But it's here, there, here. I don't say anything. I'll be at the grocery store. I was like, a few Christmas ago, I was at, at, at the store, and I need to buy something right for Christmas. I was mad because it was taking too long. And I'm like, I got to go. Like, I got to go because my wife's like, you know, you got to go. Got to go. And it's taking too long. And finally, just one lady in front of me with three kids. And she's got all this grocery stuff, right? And I'm like, I got to go. Come on, lady. Come on. And she's like, your total is whatever. You know, she had like a big cart. I'm like, God almighty. Come on. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go. And, and, and then the little kid's like, mom, uh, um, my ice cream. It's like, no, baby, not today. And she started taking stuff off the line. Uh, for the kids, they all had like their, you know, you, you know how stores are, they're, they're, they're evil. They put all the candy right by the register. And so the kids, you know, kids, you just grab stuff and put it on. And I'm sorry, baby, not today, not today, not today, not today. I'm like, come on, lady, let's go, gotta go. And then they give her her total. You know what she does? She gets out her purse and she gets out a lot of change. And she's like, 25, that's $1. I'm like, no, no, no. You're not going to count your change right now with this whole thing. I was getting mad at her. And then God just, has God ever, you know how God sometimes whispers? And, and has God ever slapped you? Like he ain't whispering. It's like, pah, what's wrong with you? And all of a sudden my anger turned into conviction. It says, lady, don't worry about it. I got you. I do that all the time. I'm always paying for people. Because if I can, why not? I understand when you give, you know what that does? Just puts you in that spot where God says, you know what? If you're, if you're, if you're willing to let it flow through you, I'll trust you with more. Pastor Josh talked to you last week about this versus this, right? Yeah, I watch your sermon just so you know, I'm watching you. That's true. When you live with your eyes open, your hands open, God will, God will trust you with more. So today, let's come to a close. Let's all stand. How many want to live a blessed life? How many really want to live a blessed life? I'm telling you, this is how you get there. Position yourself under the window of heaven through which his blessing flows. How do we do that? When you honor God first. Every hand lifted up. Jesus, we come before you today. We give you praise. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have today to make some changes. We thank you, Lord, in advance for the faithfulness, for the honor that will come out of this day. I thank you in advance for everyone here today under the sound of my voice that will begin to honor you, that will begin to be faithful, that will begin to test you on this. And God, I thank you by faith in advance for the miraculous blessings you're about to pour out upon your people. Your word is true. You do not change. These principles still apply today. So I pray, God, that we would trust you enough to honor you with the first and the best part of everything we produce. 
And as we do that, God, faithfully, I know, God, and I rejoice already by, by seeing that you will open up the Lord, I want you, God, I pray today, you would open up the window of heaven upon this church, that this church that was raised from generosity, this church that has been trained in generosity would continue, God, to pour out, to trust in you, to give and to, to honor you with everything, God. And as they do that, God, would you open up your window of heaven and would you continuously pour your blessing upon them, God, until they have no room to contain it. And for all the amazing things you're getting ready to do, for all the changes and the movement, the position that's happening today, by that we give you praise in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody say in Jesus' name, amen. Give God praise one more time. Thank you, church. We love you. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.